0: Hey,
1: hey. Hey. How's it going? It is going.
0: Girl, let me tell you, we are here again on a Friday. We are. We always podcast on Thursdays. We do. And let me tell you, this week was longer than last week.
1: Seriously. I
0: have been nonstop busy all week, meeting after meeting after meeting at work. Ugh. I am exhausted, but I am so ready for our weekly digest yes. with our true crime. Yes. And of course, our alcoholic beverage. Absolutely needed.
1: So what did you bring for us to indulge in this evening?
0: So we are actually doing another Crook and Marker Ooh. because I loved it so much. They're so good. They're so good. So this is another Crook and Marker drink. Um, we actually are doing a different flavor. Yes. We are doing mango. Ooh. So I'm very excited. I actually love these. I went out and bought a whole pack myself.
1: Well, after. you have
0: to. They're amazing. They're very, very good. All right, let's do it. Let's pop it. Ah uh, yes, I love that song. I know. <laughs> okay, let's taste it now.
1: Okay. Mmm. mangalicious.
0: That was that wasn't was that good. Very good. I love how smooth it is. Yeah. You don't get that bubbly tingly feeling. Yeah. It's just it's so smooth going down, and it's great. I love it. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode four of Sheer Crime. I'm Kenzie.
1: And I'm Amy.
0: And this week we are diving into part three of the Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Like we had said when we first started watching this series, it only keeps getting harder and harder to stomach. Ugh. This is a really really tough episode. Yes. Goes into a lot of detail we hear from a lot of different people. There's a episode. lot in
1: this one. Yes. A lot of dialogue. Yep.
0: And it still blows my mind that something like this can happen to a child. It's Ugh. it's never I don't think this episode's going to get easier because no. this is we're talking about an 8-year-old boy. Yeah. So, it's going to be rough, but we're doing part 3 today.
1: We're going to keep chugging. That's right. So, part 3 is named Failure at All Levels and I mean truly I think we've we can all agree that that's pretty fucking accurate. Yes. All levels of the system and even the family, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, failed this poor boy. Yep. So, in the beginning of this episode, we get a nice close-up shot of the LA County Sheriff's Department. It's the Twin Towers Correctional Facility which also has, like, inmate reception and medical services. So I'm thinking this is kind of the the first stop on your way to court.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say it's probably a female prison. I don't I don't know, know if they would mix male and female together, but... I'm not sure about they, that. They didn't specify. Yeah,
1: they did not specify. It didn't say, you know, anything more than that on the building. So the first thing that we see, and I should say here is Pearl Fernandez in an orange jumpsuit. She's got, you know, like a full face of makeup on. I mean, she it almost looks like she had just been arrested and yep. was going in. However, we find out in a few seconds that that's not the case. She's being extremely aggressive towards the guards due to what sounds like them searching her quote-unquote room, which I can only assume she means cell. Yeah. So we're sitting here watching this, this back and forth, of her just being really upset. At one point, she is trying to, well, the guards are trying to get her handcuffs off of her. And what you can see is that you're supposed to stick your hands through this little box so that your hands are right there. They can unlock you and then you pull your hands back out. But Pearl is arguing and fighting and she's pissed off and worried that someone is going to crack her nails when taking these cuffs off. The guard is like, why are you being like this? We're not going to crack your nails. Right. Just do what we tell you to do. Right. She's not having it. Finally, she yells something to the effect of she's been in here for 31 days on lockdown and she, quote, fucked up all my makeup that I fucking paid for. So apparently she's getting commissary <laughs> because she's able to purchase makeup while she's sitting in jail, literally seeing nobody except guards.
0: This is hilarious. You want to know what I wrote? In my what office?
1: did you write? <laughs>
0: I go, she mentions her makeup, haha, bitch. <laughs> that's
1: all I could think of to say about this situation. I, it made me
0: laugh so hard. Seriously, fuck you.
1: <laughs> no, seriously. I was just like, really? Your makeup? What the hell? <laughs> Priorities, I guess. Yeah. You know, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's just a fuck ton of makeup. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we see Melissa Chadburn, that journalist, come back on the screen, and she's the one that's covering this case. And she says that it's a, you know, much more complicated case than just two monsters in an isolated situation. You know, they they want to know the truth. They want to know what actually happened this, you know, during this, I guess, eight months of torture. And mm-hmm. then, of course, leading up to the actual murder. And they want him to admit what he did. So it spans on to Jonathan Hitami back in court. He is, you know, calling witnesses, and he pulls up evidence of People's Notebook 1, page 3. It's a picture of Pearl. And on the stand, we see Pearl's little sister, Melissa Fernandez, uh, noticeably upset and nervous, Mm -hmm. and they're asking her to please point out in the courtroom who Isaro is. And of course, she does. Now, the first thing I noticed about Melissa, besides the fact that she's her sister, because she she does kind of look like her. Yep. Is that she's really young.
0: Yes. And I think
1: it's really evident in the way she looks.
0: And the way she speaks, too, on the stand. You can tell she's very nervous. Yeah. All of this is way over her head, I think.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. And she's got bright blue hair.
0: Yes. It's almost like a teal. And I was like, Yeah. Oh. That is looking good. I was shocked at how bright she got her hair because Me her too. hair is normally black. Yes. And it is bright, like, just-been-done teal hair. I'm like, way to go, girl. You did a good job. Took yeah. you a while, I'm sure, to get there. Oh, my gosh. But you did good. Don't it wasn't we that bad. know it. I yeah. know.
1: Yeah. So they start asking her questions. Now, they start to ask her about the time that Gabriel lived with them, they say. Now, obviously... She is much younger than Pearl. Later on, we see a picture of her with Gabriel. And Melissa is not that much older. I would venture to say maybe around seven, eight, maybe nine years older. Yeah. So, you know, they're still children at the same time. And she talks about how he went over there one time with a black eye and he had some teeth missing. And they ask her, you know... Did you ask him about this black eye? And she's like, well, yeah, we all did. He had said that he was play fighting with his brother. And then after being pursued a little bit further about this is that he actually said, no, his mom hit him in the eye. So (sighs) we know that Pearl had been doing this, obviously, for a long time.
0: Makes me so sad that he always knew that he had to lie first. Even though he wanted to tell what was really happening, in the back of his mind, he knew that he was going to get hurt more because he was telling someone. And if his mom found out that he was telling people what really happened, he was just going to get hurt more. But he always tried to tell a different story. He was roughhousing with his brother. He fell on the coffee table. He tripped on something or fell off his bike. He's always making these excuses, and I'm sure he's doing it for his mom because he still loves her. Yeah, And it's heart-wrenching the
1: worst part is that she attacks him through this entire series about him being a liar
0: oh my god and
1: most of the time he's lying to protect her exactly yes it's just it's really messed ridiculous up and sad so then they span to a picture of gabriel you see a very closely shaved very short mohawk a fat lip what looks like the healing of a black eye and his teeth look very odd to me. I don't know if it was just the picture. They definitely looked like they had had trauma to them. Yes. Yep. And Melissa, the aunt, had taken this picture. She needed to keep a record. I think she, even as a child, knew that, that she had to do wrong. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in a previous social worker case that had been going on towards Pearl, that Melissa had to testify in, these transcripts were brought up in this courtroom. Mm-hmm. And in this, there was a quote from Melissa saying, yes, he said my, my sister's boyfriend, Izaro had held him down and that they were socking him. Oh, this was the excuse of, you know, why we see this picture of him with a black eye. And somebody was asking, well, who was socking him? And she said, my sister. So Melissa is talking about Pearl here. There were multiple black eyes during this time. And she, you could noticeably see that she was upset. She is trying her hardest to hold back.
0: Yeah. She does end up crying too, because I think it's just too much for her to actually have to say all this stuff out loud.
1: Absolutely. I mean, think about even like guilt that you have. Yeah. It doesn't truly feel like guilt until you have to say it out loud. Yeah. Even if you're saying it out loud to yourself. And this poor girl saying it in front of a courtroom. Yeah. And she says that I just, I couldn't help because I was... I was underage. Mm-hmm. And she's sobbing. Mm-hmm. And then she says, you know, I started sleeping over there to make sure that they wouldn't get hurt. And, you know, John Jonathan Hitami goes, you know, where? Over at the apartment? She goes, yeah. And he goes, to protect Gabriel? And she goes, to protect all of them. So she knew that something was up. Yeah. And apparently these things weren't happening while she was there. So then you get Melissa Chadburn's talking head. And she says again that the defense... Was going for this position of Azaro, just being this naive, young, unassuming, sweet guy. And then he meets Pearl. And basically all hell breaks loose is the theory they're going for. I call bullshit. Uh, big time.
0: I'm, I'm sure that maybe she had something to do with why it ended up this way. Of sure. course, I do believe they both played a part. Yeah. But come on. He he's doing that himself too. Yeah. So for them to come out with that is is really infuriating to me.
1: Truly, I mean it's I don't know. I feel like it's dumbing down the whole situation. I I agree. Yeah.
0: Now we get to the um, cross examination from John Allen, who again is Azario's attorney. Azaro's attorney, shit stain, whatever the hell shit we call stain. him. Shit stain, whatever we call him.
1: Oh well, it gets better. He gets another name. He does. <laughs>
0: He, get, he does get another name. Just just keep waiting. Oh, my gosh. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler. No, no, it's totally fine. But yeah, so we're at the cross-examination with John Allen on Melissa Fernandez. And he framed it up that she had been afraid of Pearl hurting Gabriel because of her temper, but that Azario was, quote-unquote, nice to her and sometimes would buy her things. Oh, and yeah. she did agree to this. She yeah. did agree that he had been nice to her, which is fine. Sure. He Just she, because he's a monster doesn't mean he's a monster to everybody. Right. And she's not a part of that household, right? Right. So they're trying to play it off. I'm sure that they are good people. And they want others to think other things about
1: them. Especially right? maybe her parents because, yep. you know, Melissa was living with her parents yep. and Pearl's parents. So, yeah, why raise any more red flags? Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, actually, this is where we find out what his next name is. Yeah. Everyone calls Azaro Tony. Tony! So I'm like... Is that his middle name? Where the hell did that come from?
1: It's kind of random. They don't explain it. Do you know what my first thought was? I was thinking of like a mobster, like a big, giant Italian mobster. Tony Soprano. Tony. Right. And I'm (laughs) thinking because this guy was a security guard. So he's like this big, tough guy. Yep. In my head, it was like they were almost kind of making a pun and giving him a name of, like, Tony, because that's what he reminded them of. Yeah. I could totally be reaching in the dark on this one, but that's just what popped into my head. Well, it, and they didn't specify. No, so not at they all. they just kind
0: of went on like that was normal. His name was Tony, so. Okay.
1: I had to rewind it three times because I'm like, who the fuck is Tony?
0: Right. <laughs> who is this that yeah, we're talking about? Yeah, I'm like, who about? are they talking about? <laughs> well, we get Elizabeth Carranza. Yeah, Who, again, is Gabriel's great aunt. She's the one that tells us his name is Tony. And she thought Azaro was a good guy. At first. Yeah. He worked. He had a car. He didn't do drugs. He wasn't part of a gang. She was hoping that maybe he would turn Pearl around. Yeah. Because she knew who Pearl really was. Absolutely. And then George Carranza comes into the, the frame as well. Gabriel's great uncle. And he said that Pearl was always controlling with her boyfriends. And they would always do what she says. Okay. My thought? Yeah. But why? Does she have a good personality? Nope. Nope. Good sense of fashion? Nope. Nope. Mild mannered or level headed? Nope. Nope. I could literally go on. Is she a comedian? Nope. Nope. Can anyone else? However, she
1: does a really good clown impersonation. She
0: does. Clown makeup can be her thing. That's what it is. (laughs) Well, and Elizabeth states that a lot of their family only wanted to blame Azaro. Yeah. And make Pearl the victim. And she stated that Pearl was never the victim. Yeah. She was the abuser. Always. I mean, seriously. Totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Just with what we see later on in the episode, it does make sense to me. Yeah. And
1: again, we see the
0: fucking damn eyeliner and no lipstick. Was this a fashion? I mean, it had to be. Trend that I missed?
1: They do talk about... How she had always dressed in like short dresses, always showing off her breasts, lots of makeup. So she obviously thought she was hot shit.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I did a Google deep dive on this trend because I was like, maybe we just don't know about it. Maybe it's not, you know, in the Midwestern area or never been popular here, right? Right. Well, I did pull up on GraziaDaily.co.uk. Okay, something called a Chola girl, and this is what they referenced: it's a girlfriend or sister of a Mexican gangbanger, tough as nails but still feminine, with thin arched eyebrows, either tattooed or penciled on. Whoa, dark brown lip liner. What? Crunchy mousse or wet looking hair in a high tight ponytail and gold jewelry. That's almost pearl to a T. Was her picture next to that? (laughs) I was like. Okay, so it does make sense that that is probably or was a trend yeah. in the area that they lived in California. They have way more trendy things than yeah. we ever even see here oh my in gosh. Minnesota. Oh, we, totally. we don't get half the stuff that they that they have. And, and maybe it is a very niche group of people that, that dress like this. But I'll give it to her. There is people, I guess, that dress like that and,
1: and do their makeup and hair like that. I don't know. Well, <laughs> and it also sounds like that's not totally surprising based on the type of people she hung out with. Right,
0: right. That it, we it, find out yeah. later on. Nope, yeah, it's not surprising at all.
1: No. So next we see Louis, or Louise, I guess I wasn't entirely sure how they pronounce that, Pearl's former boyfriend. Yep. So he actually used to work overnight shifts with Pearl's uncle, George, who is married to her aunt, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Louis was 21, Pearl was 23. It doesn't exactly say how exactly they met. I don't know if George introduced them, but that's the meet cute yep. as far as we get it. He says that at the time that they started dating, that Pearl was actually pregnant with Gabriel. So she had already obviously been single after Gabriel was conceived and started dating Lewis. He also says that he was there in the room when he was born. He talks about how he's very religious mm-hmm. and how he really, really has a thing for the archangels. And Gabriel, the archangel of health, the one who's supposed to give you faith, is a very strong name. And so he told her to name this baby Gabriel. And she did. At some point, he says, you know, how could I describe her? Two words, you know, broken and lost.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So then we get the talking head of Wendy Smith. Now, she's a distinguished scholar at USC's School of Social Work, and she is going over this neurocognitive evaluation report that a clinical psychologist did when they interviewed Pearl at length for 10 hours over four days. I mean, at this point, they need to know who they're dealing with, and, and I'm sure part of it has to do with her defense. Yep. You know, going out on a limb to say she's, you know, not, you know, intellectually there and so on and so forth. Exactly. So they talk about uh, the findings and that they, you know, found out that she had a very limited intellectual capacity, which, I mean, I think we kind of already knew that, that she functions at the very low end of the scale for almost all of the cognitive tests. Again, not really surprising when you find out that she hadn't attended school after eighth grade.
0: Right. I mean, there's so much you learn after eighth grade. I couldn't imagine not learning anything after that. I mean, and doing all the drugs that she was doing, too. So that totally messed with a lot of her her psyche for sure
1: oh definitely and even you know brain damage mm-hmm. through that development of that early drug use they say that over her life that she has been diagnosed with a depressive disorder developmental disability possible personality disorder including ptsd the right frontal uh, lobe had abnormalities on brain scans and that she was also diagnosed with an eating disorder at some point. And Wendy goes on to say that she obviously struggles with a lot. Every day, all day. She also had a history of sexual abuse, of gang rape, attempted rape by her uncle, and exposure to domestic violence as a child and then, of course, as an adult. So oh, yeah. So she has some demons.
0: Absolutely. And it tells us a lot, I think. I think she, she had a rough childhood, too. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that totally translate into how she acts as a parent. Yes. And the emotions that she carries within her. Yeah. Because I'm
1: sure that happens. Oh, for sure. I think I think there's two camps. I think there's those people who take those things that happen to them and use those to elevate themselves. Mm -hmm. And then there's those people who use those as reasons on why they can never be who they want to be. And I think Pearl went that route.
0: Absolutely. And then we meet Emily Carranza, who's Gabriel's cousin and actually the co-founder of Gabriel's Justice. Okay. And she had mentioned that the abuse did happen for Pearl and Pearl's mother hated her. I mean, she ran away from home at age 11 and then was gang raped for two days at age 11. So we actually find out that that did happen and that her mother also was abusive and mean to her, too.
1: I can't imagine. My daughter is 11. I know. I can't imagine her running away right now and actually, I don't know, not turning around at the end of the driveway and being like, I'm sorry, please let me back in. Right. And to think of the horrific things that this girl woman went through at the age of 11 gang rape. It
0: changes who you are. I I truly believe that if something like that happens to you at that young of an age, it changes everything about the way you feel about relationships, the way you love people. I think it completely changes everything because you're violated.
1: Absolutely. Trust gone. yep, Yep. Yep.
0: And then Wendy states that all of these things put together, it gives us an idea of how Pearl sees the outside world and her fears and the dangers and... Her potential victimization of yeah. things. I mean, she doesn't see that Gabriel needs to be protected, but rather is connected to the part of her that didn't get protection, so it almost enrages her.
1: Yeah. She
0: she probably sees herself in Gabriel Yeah, and is now taking it out on him for the feelings that she wasn't able to take out on her mother or these men who took advantage of her or what have you, right? Yeah. So she's taking it out on Gabriel, which is horrible and horrific but again looking at her mental state and her education and all that stuff it it comes into play as to why she did it and why she thought it was okay to do it
1: well and i doubt that she ever felt that she had any control when she was in all of these you know young stages of life going through these horrific situations right and at this point she has control Mm -hmm. she can control just how much she hurts somebody else
0: absolutely so it's
1: that you know age old the victim becomes the abuser
0: absolutely now we see a photo from a courtroom with pearl and azaro and it looks like it's more recently because she is a little bit heavier set yes than than the original so it must have been before they decided to split up the two into two
1: separate trials right because they're both sitting there next to each other
0: yep and i'm telling you you guys She straight up looks like a clown. I, who the hell gave her makeup to do that? Her blush was covering her entire left and right side of her
1: face. The only thing that I have written down about that entire thing is the word what in capital, and then after that, a picture of her looking like a mental patient playing with makeup.
0: Seriously.
1: I couldn't.
0: I had yikes. That's the only word I could think of. Seriously. That's scary as shit.
1: Yeah. That's the thing of nightmares, you guys. Holy it, re- it really cow. is.
0: And Wendy also mentioned that Pearl never saw herself to have value and neither did Gabriel. I mean, we know that they are very much two in the same. Oh, yeah. And it's It's terrible to think that she did what happened to her. Yeah. Basically to Gabriel. But Gabriel ended up dying. Yep. And it's just, it's horrific. Then we see Elizabeth again. They're looking through more pictures of Gabriel. Yeah. And Elizabeth says Pearl didn't want the pregnancy and left the hospital immediately after having Gabriel. Shocking. She ended up, I know, right? She ended up giving the rights to Michael Lemos Carranza, which is Gabriel's great uncle.
1: Yeah. George's brother, right?
0: Yes. Yep. George's brother. Then Gabriel lived with him and David Martinez, who was Michael's partner. Oh, yep. They said for about a year and a half, but I actually think that he was with them for about four years, if I'm not mistaken. Because I think they were wrong on the timeline there.
1: Well, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe during that time there was a short period where maybe he lived with his grandparents and then went back to them. Yeah. It sounded kind of weird.
0: It was. Yeah, it was a little all over the place, but I think we do get the the gist of it later on that he yeah. was actually with them for about four years. Yeah. And they said that he was clean, he was happy, they had a really good relationship. Yeah. All three of them did. And Gabriel loved them and they loved Gabriel. Yeah. It sounded very healthy. It sounded good for him. It
1: sounded amazing.
0: And it's terribly sad that that it ended for him. Yeah. Then we get Melissa Chadburn. Again speaking And she says that when Gabriel was in Pearl's custody, someone called a report that they thought he had been molested by his uncle. Yeah. And nobody can confirm or deny that. But I'm like, if there's no proof of that ever happening, why would that ever be brought up? I mean, was it just Pearl getting back at them and wanting them to look like bad people?
1: I think so. It doesn't
0: really make sense to me. And... I do believe this kind of ties into why they were calling Gabriel gay. Yeah. I truly do that. This is kind of where it stemmed from because he lived with two gay men that, oh, automatically he's gay as well. well I think that's where, where it stemmed from and why they said, quote unquote, we'll beat it out of him.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, isn't that the main argument for people who are against gay marriage and gay families is that they're afraid that if it's two gay men raising children, they're going to be gay. Right. Like it's something that's taught. Right. Right. So I don't know. It's It's ignorance. It's complete ignorance. And even Elizabeth, the the sister, or I'm sorry, Elizabeth, George's wife, even says that she didn't ever believe that. She didn't believe that that ever happened.
0: And I don't think anyone really did. I think they thought Pearl was just making up stuff to make herself look better or get him back. I don't really know.
1: The power of diversion. Yep, You know, look over here because I'm doing shit over here. Exactly. But I don't want you to find out what I'm doing. Exactly. That's where I got that. Yep. So then they pan on to San Salvador, El Salvador, and we meet David Martinez. Now, he's down in El Salvador because he had actually been deported by ICE after 38 years of being in the United States. He was, as he says, very scared. To go down there. That would be too he didn't cool. even know anything about the country at that time.
0: He didn't have any family members. He had no one no. really to go down there anymore. All of his family and his friends were here.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. <sighs> and so he says that he was scared to leave behind Michael and Gabriel, but the family didn't want Pearl to have Gabriel. So, three days old, he's talking about he gets a phone call, or him and Michael get a phone call from Pearl saying that, you know, come get your kid. He's getting on my nerves already. And he cries too much. And David is actually laughing about it. And I think he's more laughing at the fact of just how sheerly stupid something like that sounds. Right. Coming from somebody who just had a fucking newborn.
0: Babies cry. And you've also had two newborns prior to Gabriel. So yeah, this isn't what your first. Do. That's the only way for them to communicate with us that they need something. Seriously. Like, come
1: on. It just didn't make any fucking no, sense. No, it
0: didn't make any sense. No.
1: So... He says, you know, they go, they pick him up, they bring him home. So for four years, he stayed with them until Grandpa, or Robert yeah. um, Fernandez, said that two gay guys shouldn't be raising a kid. But no one else wanted him in the family. So that's why David and Michael were doing this. He goes on to say how much he misses Gabriel and how much he loves him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he says he thanks Pearl for giving gabriel life
0: which is it's so hard to hear and i get where he's coming from but that is like yes she did give him life but she also took his life away and it's so tragic
1: absolutely i just i I don't know it it was so beautiful in a way Mm -hmm. that he went on to say that Mm -hmm. now at the time of gabriel's death there had been an open dcfs investigation into the abuse of gabriel from the uncle So, obviously, at this point, you know, he had been taken away from them and had been living with Pearl. And he says, you know, all of these allegations are absolutely false. He says, we were not that type of parents.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, he goes on to say that they loved him and, you know, he was their baby. He said that rumors that Gabriel was gay just because he had said that he loved his, you know, two dads. Like, what the fuck? He's a child. You're supposed to love your parents. Of course. So does that mean every male out there who loves their dad is gay? It doesn't make any sense. Seriously. it's, It's a
0: terrible thing to say.
1: It is. And he goes on to talk about this one night that he remembers where he is woken up in the middle of the night to Gabriel standing there next to his bed, not saying anything, but just standing there and almost kind of shaking, he says. And he goes, you know, honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why are you, are you okay? You know, and he says that he just wouldn't talk about anything, but he said that he was scared of Tony. And again, Tony is Izaro, also known as Shitstain. That's right. And he says that he wouldn't admit to being hit by Tony, but he had asked him. He just wouldn't admit it. hmm Now, that right there makes me think, So at some point, he must have been allowed to spend the night with Michael and David. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, I mean, we know that Tony was only involved in the life for about a year and a half prior to him being killed. Mm -hmm. And he didn't live with him at that time. So he just kept saying to David, Gabriel did, that, you know, he just wanted them to take him home, to be with him. You know, it was his baby. They were Mm -hmm. true parents to this little boy Mm
0: -hmm. and he felt safe with them
1: oh and you just you see all these pictures flashing on the screen of the three of them together or or you know him and one of the the dads and it's just beautiful they're
0: all so happy together
1: you can see it in his eyes Mm -hmm. it's not just a smile for the camera Mm -hmm. they all look happy but because of the allegation of him possibly turning out gay because of being raised by two gay men, he went to go live with Sandra, Pearl's mom.
0: Then we get Jonathan Hatami, who had called Robert Fernandez to the stand, who's Gabriel's grandfather. And we find out that all three of Pearl's children were living on and off again with their grandparents most of their lives.
1: Yeah, not surprising to me at all.
0: does not surprise me at all either. It surprises me that, they kept going back to Pearl, you know, and that again shows all the flaws yeah. in the system and and why she was continually allowed to have them back, even though they were going back and forth from hers and her house and their grandparents' house. Yeah. Ezekiel and Virginia, they're Gabriel's um, older siblings. We find out they all have the same dad. And we hear about the family scapegoat syndrome, where one child is subject to all of the family's failures and is essentially the reason that they're failing as a family. And we come to find out that's what Gabriel was. Shocking. In in this family environment. Ugh. It's terrible. Totally. Well, in 2011, Azario and Pearl got Ezekiel in Virginia in their custody. And then in 2012, they got Gabriel. They did this, and we find out the reason they wanted their children back was for the welfare money. And that is heartbreaking. Seriously. Me. I mean, they don't even specify that Pearl ever had a job. I don't think that she worked.
1: I don't get the impression that she could have held on to one.
0: Right. I don't I don't either, so I think that this would have been her only form of actual income. Yeah. But still, that is a terrible reason to take your kids back, especially if you're not meant to take care of your kids or if you're not able to take care of your kids. Totally. And they actually kidnapped Gabriel. They took him from his grandparents' house, said that they were going to a bonfire at a friend's or a barbecue at a friend's house, Yeah, and they fucking took him.
1: Yeah, Sandra had to call the police. I'm
0: like, what the fuck? How was that? that not cause for them not getting their kids? I don't like, get it. What is wrong with this whole – it's it's so fucking insane to me. I, I, know, it totally I can't is. wrap my mind around it. It's, it's absolutely bizarre.
1: I mean, it totally sounds like – Pearl and Sandra have a bit of a power struggle going. And Absolutely. I, and I think it's been that way probably for a very long time.
0: Absolutely. And then we're back to Robert Fernandez again, Gabriel's grandpa on the stand. And Gabriel had told him that he wanted to come home. And Gabriel's grandpa was so emotional. Oh. When he was, it, he was almost choking up as he was speaking to this. And he yep. told him that DCFS was investigating and that they would bring him home. And he had promised Gabriel that. And I think that that broke his heart more than anything else is that he truly did believe that he would bring Gabriel home and Gabriel ended up dying before he could keep that promise to Gabriel. And yeah. it was hard. I choked some tears down. I mean, that was hard for me because I can't tough. imagine the guilt. I'm yeah. sure he feels partially guilty as to why this happened to Gabriel, even Absolutely. though of course the guilt is a hundred percent on fucking Azaro and Pearl. Yeah. But You can't help but feel like you could have done more or done something to change this outcome.
1: Yeah. And you always kind of hear about how, you know, a man doesn't go back on his promise. And his grandfather truly, I mean, he looks like he was probably a pretty good man. Yeah. And it just speaks so highly about how much he truly feels, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So next, we actually, and I was wondering if they were going to bring him in. Mm -hmm. We bring in... The dad. The actual biological dad of all three of Pearl's children, Arnold Contreras. And, side note, super hot. I'm sorry. (laughs) I couldn't. I'm just looking at him going, if he left Pearl, totally get it. If she left him, totally don't don't get it. Don't get it. Oh, I don't know. There's something about his eyes and his little smile, his little smirk, Mm -hmm. and all those tattoos. That's right. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, I digress. <laughs> so, he had been released from custody about one and a half years prior to the trial starting. So, he was in custody during the torture, or at least part of it. And then, of course, during the actual murder and death of his son, Gabriel. Yep. Um, they show a photo of him with the kids. And, I mean, he looks... They all look happy. Yep. I I don't know. I can't speak too much about what kind of a dad he was, but he definitely cared about his kids. You can tell. Yes. Um, You can tell that he looked like he was in the moment with them. And he says that he feels responsible because he was in custody at the time. You know, he was behind bars and he didn't have the opportunity to help him. Yeah.
0: He probably didn't even know really what was happening at that time.
1: I bet he didn't. Because
0: they don't say how long he had been in custody for, but you could tell that he's feeling a lot of guilt
1: yeah. as well. Yeah. They say that he was notified while in the Riverside City Jail. The chaplain pulled him aside and told him that his son was on life support and that they were pulling the plug. Mm-hmm. He you has, imagine? No. Your he eight-year-old child, no you're getting that? Yeah. Ugh. He can't be there. He yeah. doesn't get a say. That,
0: I, I couldn't imagine not being able to see my child have any say in whether he is taken on or off life support, being there for the funeral. He missed all of that.
1: All of it. Everything.
0: You know, it's it's terrible.
1: It is. And we don't know why he was in custody. I mean, clearly he must have been, you know, doing some stuff. But yeah. I don't I'm know. I'm going
0: to assume it's probably drug related. I kind
1: of assumed that too. It didn't too. seem
0: like it was a violent thing.
1: No, because um, he would have been in a lot longer. He would have been I in like. a lot
0: longer if it yeah. was violent. So I'm assuming it had to do probably with drugs.
1: Yeah. And he says, you know, I'm sorry, is what he would say if he was able to talk to Gabriel. He says, I would say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not being there. And that, you know, goosebumps.
0: Yeah, that hit hard.
1: Ouch. So then they move on to um, you know, Pearl and Azaro. And they're talking about how prior to splitting the case up so that they would be, you know, tried separately, that every single time that they would go into court, and I believe Melissa Chadburn was the one, you know, explaining this, every time they would go into court you know, Pearl would just be yelling at Azaro and just getting aggressive with him, mm-hmm. saying, you know, you're lying, you're a liar, which seems to be her fallback yeah. to everybody. Yeah. And newsflash, if it's always everybody else, it's probably you. You're probably right? the issue. Yeah. And that that she blamed him fully for everything. But the evidence was clear. She not only watched the torture, she participated. Yeah. So then they go back to that lead investigator, Tim O'Quinn, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how they had wired the, the holding cells for Pearl and Azaro to get uh, video, I believe, but definitely audio of these two. And they had strategically set them up so that they were far enough apart that they had to yell yep. to talk, but close enough where they could communicate if they needed to mm-hmm. or if they wanted to. So... There's some back and forth on this. Uh, you can hear Pearl saying, you know, did you tell him that it was an accident? And she says this multiple times, mm-hmm. you know, did you tell him? And then she'll say, do you know why they got that murder charge on me? Do you know why? It's because you said I was inside of the room. This sounds exactly like what she sounds Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Um, you
0: actually do a very good impression of the way she sounded. Great.
1: I, okay, I guess Your I know who I am for now. Halloween. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, they're. it sounds like they're definitely trying to get their story straight.
0: Well, and can I tell you, too? Yeah. Side note, fucking Azario's audio didn't work. I'm like, why does this happen? Yeah. And every single time they're trying to audio, if one fucking doesn't work. You can't hear it. It's muffled. The video isn't clear. What is the damn point of this shit? So we only hear Pearl's audio, which is good because it is telling. Pretty damning. It is very damning on her part. But still, we don't hear any of Azaro's because his fucking audio didn't work for some
1: reason. I know. (laughs) God damn it. And honestly, at this point, you'd think, wouldn't you just wire the cell with two different audio boxes? Just in case. Just in case one fails. I mean, come on. Yep. Well, and then in the cell,
0: we hear Pearl say... And I quote, but they just don't know about the torture part. They're like, how in the hell did he get this? How in the hell did he get that? And, you know, I was like, he admitted that he fell off his fucking dirt bike. Remember that time that he fell off the dirt bike? End quote.
1: Yeah. What? It's... It truly sounds like they're trying to get their story straight.
0: Absolutely. And when she said the line, but they just don't know about the torture part, she knew that they had been torturing him. Yeah. And... That the police just didn't know yet. That is, that's the most damning line, I think, that she said out of the entire holding cell
1: audio that we got. Yeah. 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 Well, and like, come on. Like, you think you are smart enough to outsmart a bunch of investigators. Of course she does. Yeah. That eighth grade level. Of course. Yeah. And going back to the failing audio, it's probably a good thing that we didn't hear what Izaro's, you know, side of the story was because... Very shortly after they are trying to get their story straight, they start talking sexual, or at least gro- she does. This
0: grosses me out.
1: She just talks about, she says something like, do you remember that time you had me on the bed and I was playing with myself and you were videoing me? Like, it's, it's almost, fucking foreplay for them.
0: It is. It's almost, it almost like arouses them when they talk about hurting Gabriel. And that is so fascinating. Fucking beyond sickening. Like, I
1: can't. That is even. so
0: beyond a mental illness that I can't even comprehend. None of that I can comprehend. It is so fucking sick and twisted.
1: It's disgusting. So then they're also talking about um, how they had confiscated things from the apartment. You know when they had decided it was a crime scene, mm-hmm. and uh, they had taken you know many many things, including phones, and they started going through text messages. Mm-hmm. Um, remember. Anything you put out there stays out there. Mm-hmm. So they look at April 15th, and you see a text message from, you know, Tony, a.k.a. Azaro, saying, what are you doing, babe? And Pearl responds, still here with Gabe. And Tony responds back, still in the cold water? That sucks for him. And I'm like, are you just having him sit in a cold bathtub? <sighs> like, I just, and I know that's a form of torture. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't like cold water. Oh. Then they jump to May 7th, and you see Tony saying, Love you, babes. Stop giving him attention. Instantly, I was like, what the fuck? And But, of course, nothing with these two surprises me anymore. No, no. So then Pearl responds back, Am not. It just hurts. And Tony says, I know. That's why I told you I'll handle him. Foreshadowing,
0: for sure.
1: Oh, for sure. And then we get back to May 9th and Tony says, what are you doing, babe? And Pearl responds back, looking at murder cases and you, babe, uh, what? I. Looking at murder cases. So it sounds like and the family believes that he was the one. So Tony or Azaro, whatever we want to call him, was the one who did the actual beating the actual, like, blunt force beating. Yep. And it sounds like she was the one who kind of took on the torturing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think she enjoyed it a little bit. Which a little is bit. Which to even say. Uh, right. Well, and then we get back to Melissa Chadburn. She's kind of just talking about Carmen Lenorgent, who is an in-home counselor with the Antelope Valley Children's Center. Okay. She had been visiting Pearl and Gabriel. And everything went fine until right before she was about to leave, Pearl decided to show her, quote unquote, suicide notes from Gabriel or just notes in general from Gabriel. Yeah. The one suicide note, the first one I should say that they show us said, I love you so much that I will kill myself. And I mean, you could tell it was in a children's handwriting. Yep. But was that coerced? Did she make him write that? Right. What happened there to why he wrote something like that, right? Yeah. And Carmen was concerned and called Child Protective Services, and I believe it was their hotline. Yeah. And basically stating that Pearl had shown her notes that Gabriel wrote that pertained to suicide. She had asked if he did actually want to do that, and he said yes. Yeah. That shattered my heart. I know. And this in-home counselor visit is just 87 days before his death. Okay, Ugh. so we are very close to to him actually dying. Yeah, we're under 3 months. Yeah. And they they wanted to see if this was real and if he actually had a plan. And they asked Pearl, not Gabriel, and she was able to say, "You know, it's he's not really wanting to do that. I think he just wants attention." Blah blah blah. That this, that, and the other thing. She had really learned how to deal with DCFS yeah. and what to say to them to shut them up. Okay. And to stop looking
1: into stuff. Why the fuck were they asking her anyway? DCFS is there because there is an issue in the home. That's Why right. are you asking the parent? You should be isolating the child yes. and asking them. Or ask them in front of the parent and see how they're responding. Yeah. And see how they're acting. See if they're looking at their mind. Physically their see that shit. Yeah. Kids are not great
0: at hiding that. Well, we know that they did a lot of bad errors Ugh. in this case. I mean, it's, it's yeah. one after another, after another, after another. It's, it's fucking blowing my mind. I, Truly. It pisses me off every single time I hear another one. Because I'm like, what are you going to do? Are yeah. you actually going to fucking do something now? Are you, yeah. you going to come? Are you going to... Whatever. Something. Like,
1: do something. I, I feel like the common sense in this case went right out the fucking window. Yep. And it's like, are you kidding me? I'm not... Like, trained to do any of their jobs, but I feel like I could have stepped in absolutely and nailed it. Oh, yeah. We could have. Yeah. So next, the DA calls Jennifer Garcia to the stand. Now, she is the first grade teacher at Summerwind Elementary School um, of Gabriel. So she was his teacher. She says that she met Gabriel as a new student. She'd been called down to the office and asked if she wanted to meet his parents. I wasn't surprised. But she says that she... The first thing that she thought was that she didn't want to get on their bad sides. Um, talk about, like, judging a book by its cover. Yeah. However, in this case, I totally get it. Because looking at their faces, I mean, they seem pretty intimidating.
0: And I can imagine that they talk to you.
1: Condescendingly, almost. Yep,
0: yep. And there were, especially Pearl not being educated enough, she probably is just very judgy, very. Blunt. Yes, Blunt, gruff, just very nasty. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to me, it just seems like, yes, abrasive is probably the perfect word to put it. Yeah. That they just know everything. You know nothing. Yep. You're less than them kind of thing. And I can totally see that.
1: Well, and as a teacher, I mean, I know you got to deal with shitty parents all the time. I can't imagine what you got to feel like when you see a parent like that. I think I would immediately be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Great. This is what I have to look forward to all year. I mean, I would be very nervous yeah um so right there you know she says that she is getting that red flag kind of that kind of that gut instinct that something is not going to be good about this so then the first incident happens when gabriel walks up to jennifer in class and starts asking her some questions and she says that he asks is it normal for your mom to hit you with a belt And she kind of goes with a response of, well, you know, some parents do, um, because who's to say what's normal, what's not? Right. And then he says, but is it normal to bleed? And right there, she knew that she would be calling that child welfare hotline Mm -hmm. that day. Mm Mm-hmm. So after school, she makes the call. Steve Reed is the one who answers. And she says, you know, hi, I'm a teacher. I'm a mandated reporter. I have this student in my class. I'm just not sure whether this has to be reported or not. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes along with, well, okay, let's hear what you have. And I'll let you know whether or not we should report this. So she says, you know, that he, you know, is being hit by his mom with a belt and that it makes him bleed on his bottom because she hits me with the belt, the part with the metal on it.
0: Oh, God, that I could not believe. you think it's the leather part of the belt.
1: Yeah. Not the
0: actual fucking belt buckle itself. Yes, the buckle.
1: And oh, my oh, God. A I can't. Fucking
0: monster. She is a fucking monster.
1: Seriously. Seriously, monster. And Steve kind of stops her almost at that point and says, yeah, this is definitely a reportable event. Mm-hmm. So he makes note. The phone call that Jennifer Garcia receives later on is from Stephanie Rodriguez, saying that she was assigned to Gabriel's case. Now, she is the first social worker named in the case that Against is... the Yeah, workers. that they're being yep. prosecuted. Yep. Now, Stephanie is an emergency response worker. She answers to a supervisor. She's basically brand new to the department. Mm-hmm. So she hadn't been there long. She was just following procedure as far as she knew, mm-hmm. right? She didn't have the experience. Right. So then you see a talking head of Shirley Darlene Star. Now she is a former colleague of all of these social workers and she says that, you know, when they put these new workers into the emergency response unit, it's just such a bad move on the department's part because this is the, you know, most important department in the agency. You know, the they're the first ones on the scene. They're the first yeah. to evaluate everything. They should be very seasoned employees who know how to handle this and aren't afraid to confront families on these issues. Because I can't imagine being a brand new social worker and getting a call like this and having to go out to their house. Mm-hmm. Um, Scary as Fuck.
0: Yep. Another flaw.
1: Yep. So she's saying that was the big problem with DCFS.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we see Philip Browing, I believe his name was. Yeah. I um, mean, he was the former director of DCFS, and he had said that they had an obligation to take Gabriel to a doctor or a nurse for a third-party evaluation, but it never happened. Ugh. And we learned that that is something that should be normal, that that should be happening all the time. Oh, totally. We see from Astrid Hepenstahl-Heger, MD. She is a child abuse doctor. Yeah. Um, she's actually the executive director of violence intervention program at LA County at the USC Medical Center. She said that she wanted to build a child abuse program and start it at the medical center. Yeah. And her goal was to see every child in this county, no matter what, 24-7. Yeah. So to, in her eyes, she also didn't understand why wasn't Gabriel seen. If this first offense came in, that yeah. he was being beat by a belt, he needs to see, seek medical attention. Absolutely. To make sure he's not seriously injured, whatever, right?
1: Yeah. Never happened. Well, and it's in a spot that you can't see. So it's not like he walked in with a black eye at that time. And right. you can clearly see that, you know, there's an issue. Right. There, it's hidden. Exactly. And then we see Garrett Therroff. He's
0: back. Garrett. He was the former LA Times reporter that we saw in the first episode. Yep. And he had stated that if Gabriel had been seen, it would have probably saved his life. <sighs> and that makes me ask the question, how often does this actually happen? Oh. If this happened in Gabriel's case, I mean, because Gabriel ended up dying... At the hands of his parents, it did get
1: blown up, sensationalized. Blown up. Absolutely. Yep.
0: It got all over the country. It was in all the news reports, of course. But how often does it happen where a child is getting abused and doesn't get to seek medical attention, but is still alive and still living with their abusers?
1: Oh, I bet it's probably, it's probably more often horrible. than you want to. Yeah. I bet we went to school with people who did. Absolutely. Growing up. And we didn't oh. know.
0: Then we see Kira Moore. She's Gabriel's friend and classmate. She said that Gabriel was kind, generous, he had good grades, he even earned a reading award. It was
1: so cute. And he
0: was really, really happy about it. But he had stated that his mom wasn't able to come to the ceremony. And that hurt her feelings. That hurt her feelings. He still was really happy about it. We do see a picture of him standing up and it looks like in front of a crowd with other kids that got the same award. Like on stage. He looked very happy and it made me sad that he probably didn't have anyone come to see that. And that is, that's just devastating. Yeah. She also said that he was nice to other students until he started to be absent. Yeah. He started telling people that Azario was hitting him. And then that's when his attitude and temper changed. His emotions were all over the place. He had nowhere to vent. So yeah. it totally makes sense being eight years old and your brain capacity. You just don't know what else to do. You lash out at other people because you can't lash out at the people that you want to. Absolutely. You know? And I'm sure... As children that age, they probably didn't think of it that way. They thought he was just maybe being mean. Yeah. But now you can tell that she is... Extremely devastated by what happened to Gabriel.
1: Yeah. We kind of think about it too, and this is almost a reverse situation, but a lot of times like if you're at work and you're having a shitty day, you can't lash out on your coworkers, right? Right. So you come home and you lash out on maybe your husband for a little bit. Yes. You know, he forgets to do one thing and it just, you know, sparks a, you know, explosion. (laughs) Right. But in this case, Gabriel couldn't do that at home. He had to be on his best behavior, even though probably no matter what he did was shit compared to you know and so he gets to school and the people who are nice to him and care for him there that's where he takes out his anger yes jennifer garcia the teacher she goes on to say that you know he had random outbursts of anger he'd be kicking the walls you know he'd he'd get mad over things that generally don't spark that much anger so Mm -hmm. she knew something was going on then one day he shows up to school with huge chunks of hair cut out in a random pattern Under each patch was a bloody scab. Now, this was right around November 29th of 2012. So, approximately like four months, or I'm sorry, approximately like six months. Math is is important. Math is hard. Yes, and it's (laughs) Friday. Ew. Um, So, six months before that, he had lots of cuts on his scalp and a big cut on his ear and a fat lip. Mm. And when she asked him about it, he said that his mom had punched him in the mouth.
0: Oh, my God. God, I I could not imagine doing that to my child. I have Uh, never
1: punched a person ever. No. Not in the mouth. I mean, I've punched my brother, but that's different.
0: I have never punched someone, and I always have dreams that I'm trying to punch someone, and it's like... The Slow slowest punch in the whole world, and I don't even like reach their
1: face. <laughs> yes, <is> awful. <laughs> no, it's the worst.
0: I'm like, I couldn't ever fight that. That couldn't happen. <laughs> no, I know. That's why
1: we were gifted legs so we could run. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but coming back to this, so his mom had punched him in the mouth. So Jennifer calls in the principal, and she says, "You know, we should let's take pictures of him." And the principal, this pissed me off so bad. He's like, no, 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 that's investigating. We don't do that. If we see something, we just report. We don't investigate. We're not going to be taking pictures. And I'm like, the fuck? Right. Like, really? I,
0: I, I don't I, get it. There, There must be something else behind it. There's DCFS. There's police officers. They're the ones that do the investigating. We do the reporting. Maybe there's like this fine line that they're not allowed to cross. Maybe. I don't know. It seems weird. Yep. But being the principal, they must know that they they aren't allowed to do that because they aren't police officers. They're right. not social workers. They're not people that can do that. So, so that's all I can think of as to why they said that.
1: Agreed. And Jennifer said at that point, she never asked him for help after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, What she did do is she called Stephanie Rodriguez back and she informed her. She said that during this conversation, Stephanie wouldn't say much. She just seemed to be taking notes. So after this incident, Gabriel became very withdrawn. He no longer wanted to go out and play on a recess. Um, Generally, what he would do is he would stay back in the empty classroom with Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And he would ask, you know, is there anything that he could do to help out? And she'd give him little things to do. And at the end of the day, he'd be crying that he didn't want to go home. Man. Begging, can you just call that lady? She never told him that she had called Stephanie. Mm -hmm. So she didn't know exactly how he knew that. She thought, you know, maybe Stephanie must have gone out to the house. You know, maybe it was actually helping because he was requesting this phone call to take place. Mm -hmm. So then we skip ahead to a little bit later on. Where he ends up showing up to school, but he shows up late. So he's walking into the classroom. You know the scene. Everybody's already sitting yep. down. And all the kids gasp as he walks in. Jennifer says he was a mess. His eyes were swollen and squinty. They just looked very weird. She said he had little bruises all over his face. And she could, she had never seen something like this <sighs> before. And she said that, you know, she waited until recess to ask him. Because obviously, she's not going to out him in front of the whole class. Right, right. So the kids go out to recess. She has him stay back. And she says, what happened? And the first thing he says is that he had fell while playing. Well, she didn't believe that. So she asked him again. And this time, he kind of got mad. And he said, mom shot me in the face with a BB gun, okay? Oh,
0: what in the actual fuck is what I have down on my paper?
1: I... In the fucking face? I couldn't. I, like, because
0: we found out that he had BB gun pellets in his stomach, right? And in his, like, legs, maybe?
1: Yeah, definitely. Which is bad
0: enough. But when you found out he, in his fucking face? I know. Could you imagine how bad that would hurt?
1: No, I can't.
0: Oh, my God.
1: I know. So Jennifer goes on to ask, well, why did, you know, why did you lie about it then? And he says, because I tell you... That lady comes and then I get hurt worse. Talking about the social worker. He was terrified. He was terrified. He knew that asking for help was actually getting him hurt more. And
0: he wanted to. He wanted someone to tell. And he did probably trust his teacher. But he found out that when he did that, she must be doing something on her end. Yeah. That his parents are finding out that he's telling. Yeah. You know, like it's coming full circle.
1: Well, because nobody's taking him out of the house. Right. So it's not like it's actually helping because Stephanie is dropping the ball at this point. So Jennifer says it made her not want to call. It, you know, she wanted to protect him, but she didn't know how. She did end up calling, however. And, you know, Stephanie goes out to the house and he says that it was an accident. So she leaves. No medical follow-up whatsoever.
0: Why does that keep happening?
1: Uh, seriously.
0: A fucking BB gun to the face and he doesn't need medical attention? Are you fucking kidding me? She said that his eyes look like cat eyes. Like, they were so, like, thin- um. What he definitely needs to be seen. What if it was in his eyeball? Right. Like, That's
1: that could be long term damage. Oh my god. It was just annoying. So then there was this long absence after this BB gun injury. Thirteen days. Thirteen days he had been gone, and when he comes back, Jennifer says he looks even worse. He comes back with bloodshot eyes, a forehead. That looked like the skin had been peeled off of it. And when she asked him about it, he said he had fell off his bike. He also said that he had pink eye and that the nurse, the school nurse, knew about it. Which, fun fact, if you have pink eye, you're not in class. Right. You're not allowed to be in school. And if you have pink eye and you're being treated for it, it's not pink anymore. Right. The kids were all scared. Um she said that, you know, because he had been gone for 13 days, she knew that what they were all seeing was actually healing.
0: And that is what is devastating. So how bad did it look before? Exactly. And she even said that she called Stephanie again, the social worker, and left her message and she never fucking got a call back. I'm I'm telling you the amount of frustration I have watching this is just like mounting and mounting and mounting. Yeah. Now I understand why these social workers, especially Stephanie, got prosecuted. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Like, not even one time you screwed up. You screwed up about 50 times. Uh, It
1: sounds like every time you did your job.
0: Every single time. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, again, she was new. So she probably wasn't supposed to be in the position she was in. But it still does not excuse the fact that this child is being badly abused. Yep. Not just, like, slapped around. This kid is getting
1: full-on bruises. I mean, terrible. Well, and I kind of wonder, do you think because she was so new, she might have been even afraid of them? But it doesn't excuse the fact that you went into this line of work. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to kind of have a heads up.
0: Absolutely. As to
1: what you're getting into, it's not going to be an easy day.
0: No, absolutely not. Then we hear that Jennifer said that even when he looked his worst, he was never mad at his mom. And that goes back to the naive, unconditional love that children have for their parents. Oh, seriously. And he even wanted to make Pearl a Mother's Day gift because this was right around Mother's Day. Well, yeah,
1: May. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. And she said that on we actually get to see what the Mother's Day gift was, and it said, "Open the door to see who loves you," and it was a pic of
1: Gabriel inside. It was so cute, it was so cute. It reminds me of something my daughter would have brought yes, home, yes,
0: absolutely, in first grade. And then you open it up; it's almost like a folder book type thing. Yeah, you open it up, and on the inside it said, "My mom is special because she is a loving mom, and I love her because she is beautiful." Mm. This is what Gabriel wrote. Yeah, this
1: is all in his handwriting. This is his
0: handwriting. Then it says, my mom has a pretty smile. I like to make her smile by, and he wrote, and a pretty face. Yeah. So he really does love his mom and thinks she's beautiful. Yeah. And he made this two weeks before his death. Yeah. Fucking horrible.
1: I think it's, he signs his name on it and it was dated, what, May 7th. Yes, May 7th and he
0: died May 24th. Oh, Horrible. Ugh. And the last thing we get to see was these coupons that he made. About being good and wanting time for me and you. They're they're coupons that are good for these certain things. Yeah,
1: like we'll do the dishes one day. You've all seen them before.
0: Yep, yep. Or you've
1: been given them and been pissed off because it wasn't an actual gift. Right. This is from a child. We're going to allow it.
0: Exactly. And we we see that he actually ended up taking a picture, too, that said M-O-M. So separate pictures of the word mom. Yeah, him holding the letters. Him holding the letters up and he is beaten up. Oh I mean, he looks terrible
1: and covered and bruises. She
0: said that he still was smiling and still was being goofy and couldn't wait to show his mom these photos. And then she finds out that he passed away and that booklet was still sitting on his desk. That was the last thing that was sitting on Gabriel's desk before he died. And she just cried and cried and cried. She ended up telling the whole class And they also cried and Kiara Moore couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean.
1: Her response was so, I don't know, genuine mm -hmm. and just beyond her years. Absolutely. Yeah. When Kiara is talking about, you know, Jennifer telling the class this, she said it hit her hard because it was his parent who did this. It wasn't you know, some random accident. You know, it wasn't a car accident or some stranger who hurt him. It was his mom. Mm -hmm. And she said that, you know, she just didn't get to say goodbye to him. And she was sad and hurt to see her friend pass away.
0: Then Jennifer ends this episode with her own opinion and how she doesn't think that everyone did all they could for this child. And we know that. And she really does hope that the social workers get the max sentence, whatever that is. She really hopes that they get that. And honestly, from her recollection, I would feel the same way too. Oh yeah, it's terrible what happened to him and why they didn't step in.
1: It will be a question I think we will ask for the rest of our lives. Yes. Yeah, so now we... knowing this case, mm-hmm. Ugh, we made it through.
0: We made it. I I was I didn't think we were gonna. I, that was a hard one.
1: It truly was. Um, I actually thought that we might we might stumble more on this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, rough. Um, it was rough. You know, as always. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this week. Now, don't forget to follow us on social media at Amy. That's A M E underscore Sawada S O W A D A and M Millard. That is M-M-I-L-L-A-R-D-O-8 on all of these social media platforms. We'd also really appreciate if you could rate and review us on iTunes. Lastly, join our Facebook group, Sheer Crime Podcast Discussion Group. We'd love to get to know each and every one of you. We're a lot of fun. Yay! Love it! Join us. We can chat about the episodes. We can chat about other things. We just will chat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And don't forget never run with scissors. Bye, guys. See ya.